Welcome to Taiwan Talk. I'm Sheree Felice, and this week I am joined by Diane Tsai, a Taiwanese-American video producer who is back in Taiwan promoting her work with Time Magazine. Listen in as we discuss her project firsts about women changing the world, as well as her past and future work with the magazine. Diane, nice to meet you. You're originally from Taiwan. Yes. So I was born in the U.S. and then right after I was born, our family moved back to Taiwan. And then when I was six years old, we moved to California. And where in California? Irvine. Irvine. Okay. Yeah. So what got you into videography? So growing up, I was always interested in writing and and photography and I took a journalism class in high school and that's when I really fell in love with journalism and then I decided I wanted to study it in college but I I actually thought I wanted to be a magazine writer at the time but in one of my like introductory journalism classes we had to do a video assignment and that's when I really fell in love with it because it it felt like the perfect combination of storytelling and then my love for photography and visual arts about your first story were you involved in choosing the women who were featured? So for choosing the women, we had a big team involved in the decision. So a lot of us would, uh, we would pitch people and kind of brainstorm together. Um, but ultimately, it was approved by our top editors. I know you said everybody had their own ideas, but were there any criteria that you guys were looking at? Or did people just throw out names and... There's just considered mm-hmm. them. Well, so we started with, I would say, the most iconic women, so people that were really role models, and then from there, we, th- we were like, how can we expand it so that it really represents the diversity of the U.S. in terms of industry and race and age? Uh, but it was definitely focused on American women. So did you guys make it a point to only choose American women? Yeah, that was definitely the criteria. People would definitely suggest women that we were super excited about and then realize that they didn't fall within the specific criteria. But we were also considering down the line doing a second iteration of the series and making it more of an international first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But so just because I think we needed some type of criteria to help narrow it down a little bit. Otherwise, it just would have been such a long list. Yeah. What was it like working with some of these women? It was really inspiring. I feel like it was it was an amazing opportunity getting to travel around the country because we got to meet them at their places of work. So, you know, we would go to Congress or uh, to talk to Senator Maisie Hirono. We went to Alameda in California with Sylvia Earle, and we did the photo shoot by the ocean. And so we got to see a lot of different environments, and meeting them was was great because we were a small team of all young women. So we really got to ask them questions that we were curious about, and we could tell that they were excited to share their advice with us, and they wanted to be really open about the challenges that they faced and like their advice that they wanted to pass on to future generations. They really wanted to pay it forward. Do you have any interesting stories? One of my favorite stories to share was meeting Oprah was like as amazing as we imagined. Uh, We went into the own offices and she actually ran into us as we were like walking down the hall and she made it a point to stop and say like, hey guys, ready for the interview? And we were just like, 
amazed that she noticed us and knew who we were and like wanted to just welcome us to her space. After speaking with these women and getting to know them a little bit, you said that they had advice to give and to impart on the public. Was there a theme in some of these women's experiences or advice that they wanted to give out? I would say their advice, it really ranged from like professional to personal. So I would say it was all pretty different. The big theme that I saw was that a lot of them didn't have a plan for their lives. Their goal was not to be the first female secretary of state. And it was actually reassuring to see that a lot of them had a late start in their career. And especially the older women, they came from a different generation. So they took some time off, you know, when they got married or when they had kids. And they struggled with that balance of being like, well, why did I go to school if now I'm just taking care of the kids? But there was time for them to wrestle with all of that. And all of these women just followed their passion. And some of them became first, so. Yeah. So I noticed you have a feature called Firsts, and you also have one called Silence Breakers. In the wake of the Me Too movement that's happening now throughout the world, did you find that there was a connection between any of these stories or any of these women? Yeah, that's a really great question, and I'm glad you noticed that because First came out in September of 2017, and then that December was when we came out with the Silence Breakers piece. And it felt like it was building up to, you know, coming out of the first project and we were really celebrating women, the empowerment of women and having a voice. And then for the whole Me Too movement to unfold was really an interesting time to see. And I think we learned so much from producing the first project that it really empowered us to go into the Silence Breakers to be like, how do we treat a project like this where the message is really powerful and there are a lot of different voices involved. How do you convey emotion from behind the camera? I think for first, it was really important to show them in their environment. So we went to them and we wanted to show, you know, this is who they are as a person. And it was really a celebration of their individuality. And yeah, just like the wide range of women, because we wanted every woman and girl to be able to find somebody that they felt like represented them. And with the Silence Breakers, it was definitely about the individual stories of these women, but we realized that the power in these interviews was actually like the sheer number of women who had come forward and that there were a lot of similarities in their stories. And it was really interesting that the more powerful way of telling that story was to put them all together so that you could really feel their force. Do you remember any of the similarities? Yeah, the feeling of shame and feeling like they couldn't talk about it and not being believed and having their reputation questioned. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of them went through very similar experiences in that regard, I think. Yeah, in the wake of the Me Too movement, what do you think a feature like Firsts and a feature like Me Too has on society, on young girls growing up now in the United States or around the world? I hope that they feel empowered to have a voice and that they are beginning to see role models in every way, you know, people who are paving the path, but also people who feel strong enough to speak up when things are wrong. You have a very interesting story as well. You're a very inspired female and I'd like to know what advice would you give to not just future videographers but future young girls who want to do something like you want to do or want to be successful like you are what kind of advice would you give 
Yeah, so I would say there's a really famous Ira Glass quote about how when you go into creative work, you go into it because you have good taste. But as a beginner, it's really frustrating because your work is just not good enough. And and the only way to get over that is to create a lot of work. And so my first piece of advice would be to just take every opportunity that you can to create work. And so for me, that meant in college, I did videos for our fashion magazine. I made videos for nonprofits. I made videos when I traveled. And when I first started working at Time, they didn't give me big projects right away. But I thought about the kinds of projects I wanted to do. And sometimes I would go do it on the weekends because I wanted to come back and show them, this is what I've been working on. This is what I'm capable of. This is what I would like to do. Can you give me the chance to do that? So, you know, the only way to get there is through practice. And I think all of us have been in that position where you know how good you want your work to be, but it's just not there. And that can be really soul crushing, but <laughs> there's light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> My second piece of advice was when I was looking for jobs, a lot of people told me like, don't forget to follow up with me. And even with time, I followed up with them consistently. And sometimes I didn't get an answer, but I wanted the job so badly. I was very persistent. And even now, you know, like younger people reach out to me all the time because they're interested in internship or something like that. And I always tell them, please follow up with me. And very few of them do. And so I would say it's really important to, if you really care about something, you can show it. Even if you don't get a response, don't be afraid to remind people because when a job opens up, you'll probably be the first person on their mind. Have you faced any challenges in the industry? Yeah, I think so. You know, sometimes it's hard to separate whether it's being Asian American or whether I'm a woman or because I'm young or maybe it's all of that. And that was something that was really interesting with FIRST too was when we interviewed Maya Lin, she talked about how for her as as a young Asian American woman, it was something she dealt with a lot where she looked young and people would pat her on the head or, you know, offer her cookies. And so for me, I feel like I spent a lot of time worrying about how I presented myself and how people perceived me. But I also think it's an advantage sometimes because, you know, even when I was covering, I think it was either the Democratic or Republican National Convention and I was on the floor. And sometimes you're just like in this mix of people with cameras and everything. And, you know, this older gentleman was like, oh, are you here with your college newspaper? But it, sometimes it's kind of nice to be underestimated because you're not drawing so much attention to yourself. And sometimes it gives you better access and people feel like they can relate to you more yeah. easily yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No, like I most know. times I show up and people are like oh I was expecting like somebody else <laughs> yeah. but uh, I think it has also been so helpful in my work and especially to see you know from first to silence breakers and then now this this new class of young women in congress and just to be able to talk about all these issues of race and diversity and being the first person to do something I do feel like really lucky to be in this position where I can talk to them about these things and understand where they're coming from. What are some of your favorite things to do while you're here in Taiwan? Eat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love the food. Just the other day, my mom took me to, I guess you would call it wonton shop in Taipei that used to be across the street from our old apartment that we lived in when I was just a baby. So that's a spot that we always go to every time. Yeah. And then my parents are both from Tainan. So every time we come back, you know, we'll try to make a trip down there and then they'll take me to all the really small local spots. And are you working on any future projects that we should know about? 
Yeah, I'm working on a documentary right now about the opioid crisis, and it's kind of a continuation of that first video that we did for the Opioid Diaries issue. Oh, okay. So are you just expanding on it and going to more areas of the United States? Are you focusing on the areas that you you guys were already in? I'm focusing on this one story about the main character's recovery. We felt it was really important because we dedicated an entire magazine issue to the crisis, but we realized that we need to address how serious this epidemic is, but people are also so hungry for a hopeful story. Honestly, thank you so much for the interview. Yeah, Yeah. my (laughs) pleasure. That's it for this week's episode of Taiwan Talk. I'd like to thank Diane Tsai again for joining me. Don't forget to tune in next week for an all-new episode of Taiwan Talk. As always, remember to take care of yourselves. I'm Sheree Felice.